It's becoming an Octal FM tradition that around holiday time we look back at video games we've enjoyed and games that we're looking forward to. So in this first of a two-part holiday special, we take a look back at our games of 2019. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Sefran. And today we are, it is the end of the year, slash start of a new year, slash start of a new decade. I know. Oh, it's kind of crazy. Um, doesn't come around very often. Every 10 years, weirdly. Once every, <laughs> once every 10 years, in fact. Uh, surprise. But yeah, because we're coming up to the end of the year, it's holiday season. It's time to take a little bit of a, a look back. And a little bit of a look forward in the video game world. And pretty much every year so far, we've sort of done two, a two-parter, if mm, you like. Yeah, becoming a little bit of a, a regular thing for us now. Yeah, exactly. Which is great because at this time of year, you know, we're far too um, full of food to think about original <laughs> episode ideas. And so it's great to have some easy fallbacks. This episode, we're going to have a chat about our games of 2019. Mm. Games that we played particularly stand out to us that we you know for whatever reason doesn't have to be something that was released in 2019 although i think all of mine kind of are yeah. but i think maybe only one of yours is um but yeah just stuff that we've played maybe we've talked about it already on the show at the time but now it's always nice when you look at things in the context of a whole year you know like i went back essentially just through my switch like game list in order of recently played and that was everything that i played this year uh, and it's nice to look at things in context and be like, huh, which of these was more, which of these do I remember more? Which of these is more important to me now we've got to the end of the year? Well, that in itself is actually quite good because that's one of the things that you set out at the beginning of the year on mm. the show was that you wanted to try and play more games using yep. your Switch. And you've accomplished that. I have definitely accomplished that. I'm very, very, I'm very pleased with how well I've done this year giving myself a pat on the back a well-deserved pat on the back because i've played a lot of games this year and not a lot um, of uh, heroes which is what you also didn't want to do and very very little heroes of the storm only at land parties pretty much which i think um, is the only acceptable time to play it exactly but yeah why don't you start why don't you kick us off with a game so my first game isn't of 2019 uh, i came out and the new expanded version of the game has just come out in japan and it is coming out in the west in a couple of months and that is Persona 5. Oh, so I haven't done a Persona 5 episode yet because I haven't finished it. So it's a game of 2019 that I haven't finished yet. But it's certainly been one for me that has left a huge impact. So hmm. that's sort of how I judged these games for me. My choices was what games am I still thinking about now? And although I haven't hmm. played it for a couple of months because I've been busy playing other games... This is still one that I'm constantly kind of like, you know, tumbling around in my mind and I'm, I'm chewing on the story and mm. or more, more accurately, more my character, the characters and what they mm -hmm. mean to me, because although the story is fun, I can pick holes in it all day long. But what I cannot do, or don't want to do at least anyway, is say anything bad about the characters and the relationships that they have with one another and mm. what they have with me. Mm. 
you sort of played Persona by osmosis <laughs> yeah. with Tony, haven't you? Really? It's like I've I've played it in like a like it's a film, you know, and I've just watched it. I think um, that's yeah. that's almost just as good, really. I mm-hmm. mean, the only thing that you don't get to experience is sort of the enjoyable almost rhythm like combat system, which is a lot of fun. But the rest of it you can definitely experience from a more passive yeah. gaming experience hmm. it was actually a game that we talked about at looking forward to in 2019 on mm. both sides because i was slightly hopeful my hopes have very much been dashed now but i was slightly hopeful that persona 5 was going to come out on switch um and if it did i was going to pick it up uh, and obviously you were like i'm going to play it anyway i'm hope you were kind of hoping it didn't come out on switch because yeah. you already owned it and unfortunately, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't come out, so I didn't get a chance to play it. But it doesn't um, look like it's going to, unfortunately. No, it um, doesn't. Maybe eventually, like the Persona games are quite well known for having kind of like con- continued releases over the years, even yes. though like the actual game itself pretty old. Like Persona 4 had quite a lot of releases many years after its initial release of, of both re-releases and spin-offs. It's more so, likely to be on a different console. Like, like yeah. whatever succeeds the Switch, that might get Persona 5. Very possibly, yeah. Like, in the next kind of four years or so, when you get a new Switch console or whatever Nintendo's next console is going to be called, hmm. you might find you have, like, a Persona 5 remake or something along those lines. But, yeah, I was kind of glad that it didn't come out on Switch in a way because I would then have to buy it again. <laughs> um, but also kind of sad because maybe I'd have had chance to play it a bit more, but maybe, I don't know. But regardless, I had such a positive experience with the game. Like, everything that I knew I was going to like about the game, I did like mm. in terms of things like the art style. Like mm-hmm. I say, that that's so cool. The combat mechanics are, mm. are really fresh. They're, they're such a unique take on the turn-based JRPG-style combat systems. Yeah without it feeling because it's i don't like the the really standard turn-based jrpg set combat systems anymore because they're just too slow and they usually just boil down to what press the attack button over and over again unless you're fighting a boss in which case sometimes you need to heal and there's not a lot of interactivity it kind of just feels a bit bland or i also don't like the way in which well it's not that i don't like it but it just kind of deviates from the formula too much with things like they maybe find fancy 15 for example with the idea of a more active real-time combat style it, it kind of it sticks with its turn-based roots but it just it makes you feel a lot more immediate and snappy despite the fact that it isn't you know in terms of mm. real game mechanics it's exactly like it always always been in that it's completely turn-based but it feels quick and snappy so i really i really enjoyed that aspect of the gameplay and i knew i would as well going into it but like i say i've already mentioned it the one thing that really stuck with me more than anything else was the characters not yeah. so much the story the story has been a little bit anime tropey <laughs> yes. which i guess is to be expected <laughs> but the characters themselves like i could still hear their voices in my head because the voice work was all so good uh, you know, I know all their character arcs. I tried to spend as much time with the characters as I possibly could, kind of learning who they were as people and what drove them and all those sorts of things. And they're very good, memorable characters. And it's to me, it's almost had the same effect that a really good anime series has on me. And I guess, mm. again, like you can understand why with its heritage. So that's why for me, it's one of my games of 2019, because I'm probably going forward in 2020 as well, because I'll almost certainly play Persona 5 The Royal when it comes out over here, mm. because... It's just it's had a really good, long-lasting impact that I don't think I'll forget anytime soon. Nice. It's now been quite a while since I watched Tony play it, so I can kind of like. I think if it does ever come out on something else, I will definitely pick it up. But I can all the things that you're saying that you liked about it. I'm like, yeah, I, like from watching it, I, it was. It's a great game. Mm. Really, really good game. 
Nice. Well, my sort of first game that I want to talk about is actually just some DLC. All right. Okay. And that's uh, and that's Torna, uh, the Golden Country for Zelda oh, Chronicles yeah, Two. Of course. So this actually didn't come out. This came out September uh, twenty eighteen. But I played it. This I played mm-hmm. the I played the DLC this year. It's twenty hours of content. Like it's it's a, it could be a full game. Yeah, um, it's for basically sure. a full game as part of DLC. And you know, there's a, there's even a separate start like menu when you you know you swap to it when mm. you boot the game up um, to play it. And I really really enjoyed Xenoblade Chronicles Two. I'm not, I, you know I really massively enjoyed it actually. And actually, Tony played it this year, and she also really enjoyed it. And that was quite fun because that like cemented my. Um, sort of feeling that it was good because I, I'm not super uh, experienced to know if a JRPG mm. is is actually strong or not. Obviously, it gets good reviews, but it was nice to see. It was like validating yeah. that Tony enjoyed it, and I'm like, oh yeah, this was like I was watching her play, it and I was like, damn yeah, this was really good. Yeah, <laughs> if generally speaking, if she's enjoying a JRPG, it means it's it's a pretty good one because she's yeah. got such experience with so many of them. She hasn't played Torna, but I did. So for those that don't know, like it's a uh, Torna, the Golden Country is set, I think, like 500 years before the main story of Xenoblade Chronicles Two, um, which was the 2017 RPG from uh, Monolith, and it fills in a lot of backstory because uh, the way that Xenoblade works, because you have um, blades and blades are kind of immortal. Like they're like immortal characters because mm. they, when their driver, the person that like controls them, when they die, the blade goes back into the crystal and then it can like be bonded with by someone else. And then it comes back to life, but with no memories, mm. um, which is sort of an undercurrent of the whole story and sort of philosophy in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. A lot of it is about like blades not remembering, like living forever, but not having memories and getting attached to humans and wanting to be more like humans. But then human. Yeah. Anyway, all that kind of philosophy mm-hmm. stuff. But so it's really interesting because you get to interact with some of the same characters, but they're very different. Because, because they are not got the same experiences they had from the exactly. first, well, the original game. Exactly. And then also you are playing some of the story that is shown in flashbacks in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Mm. So it really, really fleshes out the story. And, you know, I, I found the characters much more uh, sort of, I found like I bonded to the characters a lot more in right, Torna. Okay. It's, it's a lot more of a kind of, is quite a smaller kind of story, if you like, in the sense that it sort of feels more personal and there's a lot more sort of conflict in the story. Uh, and they improved a few things as well, like the battle battling is a little bit more... It's different. It's not necessarily better or worse. Right, okay. I was going to ask think what the gameplay was like by comparison. It's basically the same, but they just changed it a little bit. Like, you don't... Like, the you don't... You can actually swap and fight as blades which is not really the same as how it works in the main game if i remember rightly so it's more of a like each of your characters has kind of another character that you're swapping you can alternate between and that's how you do some of the combos so you essentially have it's like there's three people in your team and then each one has two i think alternatives almost you can swap between so you have like six different combos yeah so in total it's like three teams of three if you like yeah um so you've kind of got like nine characters but you can only you're only looking after one character one team of three at the you know when you're battling but yeah it's it's relatively similar to xenoblade chronicles 2 in terms of the the combat like it feels similar enough like you kind of get it but just kind of like a little 
little bit of a tweak, a little bit of a refinement. Mm. And yeah, like there's there's still side quests and there's still just the you know a good main story, um, lots of set pieces. And yeah, it was just it was nice to revisit Xenoblade Chronicles two. I didn't think I would like when I, I remember mm. the DLC coming out and I was like, nah, I won't bother playing that. Um, but actually, I was like, you know what? I do actually want to go back to this game. Um, and because I was focused so heavily on Switch this year, I was like, it feels like a good. I don't normally do uh, pick up DLC for games, you know, especially a big game like Xenoblade Chronicles 2. It's like, I'm done with that game. <laughs> but, yeah, you know. And it's a big investment of time as well. It's not like a, a small DLC pack to just kind of faff about within the original game for a bit and then call it a day again. Like, you're basically picking up another game. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it was really good. Uh, definitely a highlight of the year. Well, that's that's kind of interesting that we've both chosen to start off with JRPGs. Mm. Like, we are traditionally more PC-based gamers, but yeah, we've gone for console-based JRPGs, yeah. which is pretty interesting. But I guess that just shows how much these games stick with you because you develop such an affinity with the characters and the worlds that they build. Mm. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, they, and then like you just described with... Xenoblade Chronicles 2 as well with the interesting combat mechanics like you know how I described with Persona as well mm. yeah that's quite surprising that we've gone for that for my next one it's weirdly another non-PC game because like despite the fact that I would consider myself primarily a PC gamer I haven't played a great deal of PC games this year um, but for me it's another PlayStation game and this one's a little bit boring I suppose by comparison to to your choice but my game of the year only came out a few weeks ago and that's death stranding mm. already i can't realistically see myself not thinking about this game for the next like several years at least yep. because although i've only just started playing it like a few weeks ago and i discussed on a soundbite episode like my initial thoughts of it and i still haven't finished the game yet either it's one that i'm not going to forget anytime soon like it's already had such a huge impact on my thoughts and my life and it's just a never-ending it's a bit like how i experience certain anime series well like for example like how i think about ava a lot this will be a similar sort of one in that i'll mull over some of the thoughts and the decisions and the the character arcs Mm. for a long time to come so unlike something like say persona and i'm sure the same is sort of true for xenoblade chronicles 2 as well it's not that I'm particularly attached to the characters. In fact, the characters themselves aren't all that likable, really. Like, mm. they're not unlikable, but they're not particularly memorable characters. But the thoughts and the emotions and the ideas that they put across is what makes it so interesting to think about and to put those into different contexts. And mm. I'm already, like, I've not finished the game, but I already have, like, theories in my head about what certain aspects of the game sort of mean, represent both in modern life, but also in terms of, like, the stories that it's telling as well. And any game that can make me stop and think during my day, like, my just during a normal part of my day, and I go, yeah, that thing, is that trying to, you know, be an allegory of this? Like, you know, and it just makes me mull over different aspects of the game in my real life. And I make connections to other works as well. Like, I'll see aspects of say death stranding in a tv series i'm watching or in a book i'm listening to or Mm. something like that obviously that's down to exposure because i'm currently experiencing it so i'm not going to be so biased or kind of blinded to say that like you know it's because it's just that good it's definitely because i'm experiencing it currently Mm. but i can't see that going away anytime soon after i stop experiencing it either because it's just such a hard-hitting memorable experience Mm. The, the game itself to play, I don't really get why people are being so 
negative towards huh. it or uh, at best mixed yeah. like it has quite a lot of mixed response yeah. and i think maybe people just were expecting something else i don't know really mm-hmm. like it's a bit of a divisive game in terms of its gameplay loop yeah. but i really enjoy it it's a lot of fun the the world itself is such a joy to experience and i imagine it's only more of a joy to experience on the ps4 pro because it's just so beautiful, both in terms of the environments, but also the characters look amazing as well. And it, and once you get used to the sort of more finicky controls, because in typical uh, Kojima fashion, he's tried to cram so many different actions onto one controller. Like you need almost like a second <laughs> controller to be able to do everything. A custom Death like, Stranding controller. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. It's like that, that Mech Warrior game on the Xbox where you have to have a whole console station in front of you to be able to operate it. <laughs> You know, like you've got to hold down this button and then press this button to do that thing specifically. But if you don't do it in that order, then he does something else entirely. You know, th- that's that's very typical of Metal Gear as well. That's how Metal Gear was a lot of the time too, mm. in that he had almost too many ideas to try and input for you to, to do, to carry out on the controller. Mm. But once you get the feel for the, the character, you realise how mobile he is and how versatile the the main character is and what you can do and you're always finding sort of like neat little tricks you can do like for example if you're punching a dude like who's like trying to get your cargo and you knock him out when you're punching him if you grab or rather if you press like the r2 or l2 button on your controller which is the buttons you use to grab things basically in game either grab your shoulder pack you know like the, the shoulder straps for your backpack or to like pick up cargo off the ground or whether in that hand you'll grab the cargo that the guy's just dropped so then you can kind of like throw it at another guy just to the side mm. or whatever but it's all done manually it's not like a it's not like a quick time event yeah in that like you press the button and he does the thing you have to hold r2 to grab the thing that's falling to you know from the guy's shoulder or whatever onto the ground then you have to press squares if you're going to to punch with it but then as you're throwing the punch you let go of the grab function at the right time to let go of the thing whilst it's mid-swing so it kind of like flies out of your hand and then smacks into the enemy's face and it was very much intended but it's not just a press the button to do the thing you sort of have to carry out the motions of doing which makes it feel a lot more cool when you do manage to pull it off interesting and the game's full of that the game's full of those like little mechanical tricks that you can do that make you feel a lot cooler and a lot more badass which is i like and i also like the attention to detail as well the idea that you have to pay attention to the weather for example you have to pay attention to your stamina you have to pay attention to the wear and tear of both your gear and the stuff you're carrying and even though you get more powerful throughout the game and you get more abilities and you you come you become a little bit more superhuman almost in what you can do you still you're still never completely game breaking it still always kind of can pull you back into realism at a moment's notice when you just you get a little bit confident a little bit cocky and you're like oh i can make that jump or i can carry you know go up this slope or whatever and then you fall on your ass and you Mm. damage all your gear and everything (laughs) it's like you know no remember you you can't it's this is not like you know uncharted where you have finger grip of steel yeah you know you you have to do things like it almost like a normal human would do and it pulls you back into your house a little bit more and, and makes you respect the game a bit more as well so in terms of the gameplay i i really enjoyed as well it's a game i enjoy playing as much as i enjoy experiencing the story and the characters and the ideals that it gives across mm. and that in combination with all the other quirkiness that comes with being a kojima game is wonderful too <laughs> So it really feels like I'm glad I picked it up on on release and I'm glad that I've been playing it since because I think I would have 
been remiss to have left it for say six months down the line when I'm like, oh, I should probably pick up their stranding. Mm. Like I'm glad that I picked it up when I did, and I, it was certainly worth the full investment too. Nice. Well, from one game picked up on release, paying full price for to another, my next choice for 2019 probably reasonably obvious and that's Link's Awakening on the Switch. Mm. It was such a perfect remake of the Game Boy version and it reminded me why the Game Boy version was so great, why it was one of my favorite mm. Zelda games. I think they did such a such a good job of it. It was almost uh it's actually interesting all three of my games are quite emotive. And sort of, I think yeah. why they're sticking with me for 2019 was because there's some kind of emotion involved, you know. So for for Xenoblade, it was sort of revisiting that world and those characters and and the story. Like I said, the characters are very uh, sort of relatable, and it's it's a it's a sort of smaller scale story. Um, so you sort of get very attached. With Link's Awakening, it was a nostalgia emotion of sort of revisiting this world, and also the game itself and the story is kind of emotional and sort of sad. But yeah, like revisiting all of the characters and all of the locations and sort of seeing it all in this new re-envisaged light. I don't know. It was just it was just perfect. Right. It was it was a perfect remake. I'm so glad it exists because it's Mm. such a wonderful way to experience Link's Awakening, which was already a, a spectacular game. And Link's Awakening on the Switch is just sort of brings that into the into the modern day which is good because i don't think enough people got the opportunity to explore it and experience it because it isn't it's not a black sheep of the zelda franchise but it's certainly a off forgotten one yeah. at least you know like i put it in a similar sort of vein as someone like the phantom hourglass or the spirit track sort of games where because they were on the handhelds they didn't get quite the same level of attention to them mm. Whereas, like, by comparison to the mainline series, like, you know, your Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, Breath of the Wilds, etc. Yeah, I mean... But I think it's got just as much, if not more, impact and importance to it than some of those games does in terms of the franchise. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, it, it's a 26-year-old game. So, you know, it, <laughs> not many people not many people who own a Switch are necessarily even 26 years old. So, no. <laughs> you know, like, it definitely deserved a, a re-release and... Yeah, it definitely it doesn't need to be the black sheep for sure. It's a it is a definitely a very much a Zelda game, you know, following a lot of the formula. I think that the only negative thing about the the Switch version is that they didn't add that much to it. No. You know, it's almost pixel for pixel a remake and in some ways that's great. In some ways maybe it would have been nice to have a little few little extras and bits and pieces, but honestly when the game's 26 years old, I guess you kind of don't need to. And, you know, it's, it's definitely pretty short. You can whiz through it, especially if you've played it before. Yeah, and you um, know all the tricks. Already. You know, if it's new, then if it's completely new to you, then probably not. But, you know, it was just such a great remake and just such a joy to play. Like, it just mm. brought me so much joy to get to play Link's Awakening in, in such a wonderful, sort of beautiful reimagining of it. One of the things that I, I don't know is pretty obvious coming from Nintendo fanboys as we are, <laughs> that I really like about games like Link's Awakening are they know it will sell well anyway because it's a Zelda game and they know that it's got this kind of unique charm to it Mm. because it was almost a bit of a weird experimental style Zelda game at the time when it was made Mm. and they decided to kind of go in more that with the the change of the art style as well like with that sort of strange chibified Mm. very colorful very vibrant look to it which is not what I would have envisioned a modern day version of Link's Awakening looking like. I would imagine it looking a lot more like something like A Link Between Worlds, for example. Yes. 
but they didn't go for that. They went, and it wasn't even like they went for the the quote unquote Toon Link look with like the Wind Waker style either. They went for something no. completely different yet again. And I think it's great that they take those risks, I guess, but just deciding to just you know think outside the box a little bit with the presentation yeah you're right it's very in keeping with the origins of Link's awakening right which i think most people know but it was basically being made for fun on the sides um and you know that's why it has a lot of reused assets and materials like there's goombas in it and you know all of that kind of stuff like from other games and you know so to sort of do the same thing again i guess for the switch in the sense of like let's mix up the art style mm. like because it, you know to sort of keep it in keeping with that sort of quite whimsical sort of whimsical at first glance anyway even though actually it's a it's a pretty chunky it's a pretty traditional and sort of chunky zelda game um but it definitely is whimsical on the surface and they sort of stayed true to that by reimagining the way that the visuals mm. might look yeah i think it's definitely elevated the game beyond just being a remake into something mm. that you want to re-experience mm, definitely, definitely my last choices aren't one game really no, because cheated. i have you've got cheated, i have a little bit i have a little bit because i've got i've got one game i do consider sort of my other game of the year but we've already talked about it in length on the show before right very very recently as well in fact so i don't really want to rehash it over again so i decided that i'm going to have a main choice but i'm going to spend a little bit of time on it and then i'm going to spend some time on sort of like some honorable mentions as well because otherwise i don't want to bore the listeners um <laughs> but the, the the game of the year for me the is going to stick with me in the future you talked about the last episode and that's deep rock galactic ah. because i spent a long time playing this game this year like probably more than any other pc game i've, I've played this year hmm. so it, it's something that going forward is going to have a big impact on games i play like with my friends and i'm also looking for i haven't played the new kind of like end game content they've added yet so i'm looking forward to playing that too so that's why I wanted to give it sort of like the games of 2019 for me. But I also don't want to go over everything because you literally talked about it in the last episode. <laughs> so we don't really need to reiterate that one. But I, I can't recommend it enough. Like just yet again, please go and give it a try. It's a lot of fun. It is fun on your own, but it's a lot more fun with friends. Even if you just jump online, it's still pretty good. Like mm. even without voice communications, it's still pretty good because they have a really good like context pointer mechanic like we've discussed in the previous episode which allows you to do quite a lot without even having to talk to anyone. But yeah, like definitely give that a try because it's something that we played a lot this year, both together and separately. Mm, mm. And I think it continues to be a really good, fun game. It's a great art style, short and sweet matches so that you can either have one or you can have like five. And depending on what your mood's for, you know, I think it's just a great game. And I really, I am glad that I got a chance to play that this year. Mm in terms of honorable mentions for me hmm. because there were there were a few that i wanted to discuss briefly so one was i finally getting a chance to pick up and play the remaster of katamari damacy oh yeah when i finally decided to pick that up mm -hmm. still at full price unfortunately because i wanted to pick up the the physical copy of the version which you saw me play a little bit when i came down to visit you yes and it's just so beautiful like it's so polished and it looks really nice and the music is perfect and the gameplay is such a perfect transition from the original even if it makes me feel a little bit vomity yes uh, whilst playing <laughs> it is definitely motion sick inducing <laughs> yeah more than i realized maybe it's because like it's in like higher def on a bigger screen i don't know <laughs> but yeah like other than that like th that was definitely a game for me this year 
Another one, which I don't think I mentioned on the show, but I definitely mentioned to you, was Wilmot's Warehouse. Did I mention that one on the show? I don't remember. No, but I, I've only I've heard of it, but only very briefly. Well, that's the one where you play as like a little a little block moving around a big old warehouse, and you have to organise shipments of stuff, a bit like an Amazon warehouse. Mm. And then you have to also then give out said items right. to people as they come along to the desk and like, I want three of these things, and two of these things. But you organize it however you want. You have a completely blank canvas in which to organize this stuff. So do you organize it by a color? Do you organize it by what they are? <laughs> you organize it by, you know, what people are most likely going to want, you know, that sort of thing. And you can spend as much time as you want organizing it every three rounds so that you, or is it five rounds, one or the other? So you can kind of like go and find things easier and you can get upgrades and you can like make the warehouse bigger and, and you know, it's it's such a fun little indie game like i think it was like three quid so for me that's a game that i really wow. enjoyed and will occasionally just re-pick back up again yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just to, just to give it a go nice and the last little honorable mention game as well this one is another small like indie game which i think has had a few other similar games made by the same people or the same person i think it's a single player person and that's infinifactory uh, I really enjoyed Infinifactory. I don't know if you've if you've heard of that one, if no, you played that one. It rings a bell as well, it's, but no. It's a bit of a it's like a puzzle game where you're given an objective to accomplish using like a load of different tools like conveyor belt and pushers and blockers and all that kind of thing. Where you have to sort of move one thing from another or create something in the right shape and move that to the right place, etc. And at first it's pretty simple it's just a case of like move this block here then have these two blocks welded together and then move them to the end goal but by the end of it you have to like disassemble a whole thing re-put it together because you have to go through a portal and then have that whole thing come out the other end in the right scale in the right direction and <laughs> it becomes very complicated and like a bit of a uh was it a rue goldberg machine style effect yeah of, like, or having like, to try um, and was it like tim's incredible machine or whatever what was the yeah exactly yeah. things like that and it's not a particularly like deep game in terms of like it doesn't look amazing it doesn't have great sound it doesn't have a great anything but it, because it's really good puzzle challenges it's just very rewarding when you play it nice again it was only a few quid i think it was like six quid or something and that's given me a lot of play this year as mm. well nice. so again another game i i recommend for the the puzzler in you nice well my my final choice i think is actually something we've not I double checked. I was like, I'm sure we've talked about this on the show, but I couldn't, I can't remember if we have or not. I think maybe we were saving it because we were hoping to speak to oh, the devs right, in yeah. question. And that is a game that came out in April this year on Switch. So that's why I'm including it in my 2019. Mm-hmm. And obviously I played it this year. And that is uh, Hellblade, Sinless oh, Sacrifice. Yes, yeah. This game has, is one of the most impactful games I've wow. ever played. That's saying something. It's is uh, it is absolutely a work of art. It is interesting on so many different levels. Uh, everything from the concept of it being a small budget AAA in its sort of art style and and sort of the way that it it plays, uh, all the way to the fantastic um, voice acting and just acting in general and sort of motion capture that that is in the game. Um, all the way to, you know, if you don't know what it's about, um, Hellblade is a, it's quite a short game. Um, it's a little bit walking simulator. There's some puzzles, there's some combat, but it's fundamentally, it's about someone dealing with their mental health and, and psychosis. Uh, you, you play as Senua 
and you're going on a on a journey essentially to hell um to rescue like the soul of your you know your love if you like but really it's about mental health and mm. psychosis and you know there's literally fantastic, facing your demons yeah and there's fantastic audio some of the best audio sort of design in any game i've ever played mm. uh you have to play it with headphones yeah you, you said that headphones were a must you have to, to and it has it, it's spinal audio um so there are literally voices you know whispering to you in your ears and it's exceedingly creepy and you it's not a game to play for a long session no or or in the dark or if you're feeling in a fragile emotional Imagine state put that on vr it, 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 it is compatible with VR. Oh, it is PC. compatible. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's something I might actually, now that I've got the Oculus Link is on its way out, um, so I can actually use my Quest as a Rift um, with my PC, I might pick it up pick it up again on PC to just to give the VR a try because I imagine it is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's a very, very intense game. It's it's almost traumatic to play mm. in, in some at some points in the game. And... Yeah, I just think it pushes the boundaries of what a video game is about yeah. and and challenges the notion of games not being able to tackle certain things like psychosis and mental health. It rightly won lots of awards. There's some aspects of the gameplay aren't perfect. Like a lot of people don't really think the combat is that great. I actually thought it was pretty good. You know, but there's there's definitely some bits of it are, are a little bit repetitive at times. Some of it, the puzzles are... Or well, some aspects of the game are quite... There's just little bits of flaw in game design. Uh, mm. Like there's a section where it's really not obvious how to get through it. And so you just repeatedly mm. die because it's just... The game is just not making it clear enough. And it's just frustrating. Yeah. But those moments are very few and far between. And they're definitely overshadowed by some, the overall experience. Yeah, exactly. And experience is definitely the right word for it. It's actually a great time to be talking about this game because they, uh, when at the Video Game Awards, which was at the time of recording, it was this week, when Microsoft uh, showed off the new Xbox, they also showed off the first game for it, which is a sequel to oh, this. Oh, brilliant. Um, Senua's Saga Hellblade. Um, Hellblade 2 uh, is going to be an Xbox what is it Xbox Series X whatever yes, it's called yeah just to um, make things more confusing yeah it's going to be an exclusive or at least to start with it's going to be an exclusive for that so yeah so we're going to see more of this I'm intrigued to see how they do that because I feel like Senua's Sacrifice is, is really it's tackling that issue that issue of mental health mm. and so i wonder what is a sequel going to do are you going to continue to tackle that or are you just going to go take a completely different or, path or maybe it, it? it tackles recovery uh, as mm. rather than yeah. the actual exactly. struggles of mental health maybe it shows how to you know move on from it and don't let it ruin mm. your life and there's so many interesting stories from the development of it as well I, i'm not going to go into all the detail um there's a great youtube series back from when they were making it back in 2017 around you know the ch the self-imposed limit that they put that ninja theory put on themselves to make it on a small yeah. budget even though they're not actually a small time studio you know well, they made some big um, games yeah they made some big games as well so you know there's stuff around building their own like motion capture studio mm. stuff and like using ikea lights to light their one of their meeting rooms and using that as their like room for recording motion capture stuff around the um the actress 
who plays Senua. She was actually like their video editor, oh, really? like their, for, for their for like their social media and and marketing. Uh, and she was the stand-in while they were trying all the technology and just, out. Like, you work really um, well. <laughs> Yeah, like what they were trying to find someone, they were trying to hire someone, and then she was just doing more and more testing. And in the end, it was like, actually, we found the person. It's you. <laughs> like, like you need to, you've, you've cool. got to do this, which is such a great story. Um, and there's all kinds of, you know, you can go back and watch all the videos from the making of. I watched through all of them because um, it was such an interesting, well, it, it is, because such an interesting developed game. Like, put aside for a second the importance of the game from a mental health awareness standpoint or from a unique storytelling standpoint. If you look at it from a development standpoint, it was interesting because of how good it was from such a small, tight budget on purpose, proving that yeah. the bloated AAA industry isn't necessarily the way to keep going forward. Mm, yeah. And of course, they, they also worked with people who are experts in mental mm. health. They worked with people who are recovering from mental health yeah, issues. took it seriously. You know, they took it very, very seriously. It's done very, very well. It just challenges all of the it challenges conceptions around video games on so many yeah. different levels. And so that is why it is overwhelmingly my game of the year. Oh, um, brilliant. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a game that's had a lasting impression on mm. you, which I think is very much the the theme of the episode itself. Mm. I, I haven't played it yet, honestly, but it's definitely something <laughs> to add to the list mm. of games to play. I don't think it's terribly long from what I remember. No, so, it's not. It's short. I think I played um, it. I think it was about seven hours for me. Yeah. Like that's definitely something you could just pick up over maybe even a long weekend or something. Definitely. Well, I mean, you might want to spread it out a little bit. I that's true. Yeah, you, said, the, you said it was, you said it was pretty traumatic. It's the worst so. weekend you've ever had. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe not a weekend. Um, <laughs> but maybe not over the Christmas period either. No, but, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> But those were our games of 2019. Uh, they're the ones that both we played and had lasting impressions on us. We were aware there's a lot of games this year. It was a pretty good year for gaming. Um, yeah. Pretty complicated one as well with lots of different kind of systems coming and going, like lots going on the VR space, lots going mm. on with things like Google Stadia, for example, with like the streaming side, side of things. Less controversy this year, I feel, in terms of like, you know, the whole loot box debacle of last year mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So, but then you had all the stuff surrounding like professional gaming and and the protest that that had around that with things like the the Hong Kong protest stuff like that. So it's been a it's in a weird year for gaming. Uh, not a bad mm. one, not a good one, just a bit of an odd get a year for gaming. Definitely, definitely. So we would like to know what games you have had positive experience yeah. with this year. What games have had a lasting impression? Uh, what games are you going to be continuing to play into twenty twenty? Uh, what games are you? Uh, grateful that you picked up for maybe you weren't planning to mm, yeah i had a quick skim through you know it is the time of year for like top 50 games of 2019 yeah. you know, and stuff <laughs> like that i had a quick skim through polygons one and i was like wow i, I i've not played any games this year like there's so yeah, many on comparison this, you know even like the, the top 10 i was like i don't think i've played any of these on the top 10 you know like it's definitely for me i think 2019 has been a very like personal journey of of the games that i've played and picked and i've really not followed what's been coming out because i've been focused on playing switch and catching up on yeah. things that you know otherwise i've i've missed for a long time so which yeah, was a lot, fun, a lot of fun a lot of fun i think that's the way to go forward as well for you for mm. if you've got a limited span of time to play games i think that's the only way you can do it definitely but yeah let us know what you've been playing in 2019 and what you think we should maybe maybe i should pick up in my 2020 and you can send us an email show at octal.fm or you can send us a tweet at octal.fm on twitter or facebook facebook.com forward slash octal.fm 
Um, mm. Best entries, best entries get a uh, or best contact messages get a few stickers in the post coming back. Oh your yes, way. of course, yes, <laughs> stickers are available still. Um, but yeah, this has been really fun, and I'm looking forward to uh, discussing games that we're going to be looking forward to in 2020 as well. Yeah, in, uh, absolutely. I episode. haven't actually looked at what is coming up in 2020, mm. so better get be cracking experience as well. Yeah, I need to do some research. <laughs> Um, yeah, and in the meantime, I've been Gelada. And I've been Sephron. And catch us again for another episode of Oxal FM very soon. Another decade of Oxal FM very soon. Oh my god, yeah. And I guess I guess is this the is this the happy holidays episode? I don't know. I didn't look probably at the Probably is actually, yeah, yeah, it probably <laughs> is by the time this comes out. Play lots of games, eat lots of good food. There Absolutely. This is me speaking at my normal level. Great.